1: This is April 21st, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys uh, are staying healthy. You know, you're staying safe. You're staying active, doing things that make you happy, Um, all that fun stuff. I don't even know what week of quarantine this is. For me, I think it's it's been over a month now. Um, It's been a long time. Uh, but starting to feel normal, which kind of is weird, but you know, we're just making do with what we got. Uh, and so, uh, this episode was a ton of fun. Uh, I will start with that. This episode was a blast. I had on Marissa and Jemmy who used to be uh, of the Boston Herald, but because of the pandemic, uh, her position was cut, which is just terrible. Um, but she's still doing a ton of work. She'll be back at a new job very soon. So I, I don't worry about her at all, but now uh, this episode was a ton of fun. We put together um, our all decade team. Uh, so the past decade, we did four lines um, of what we would put together as the best forwards. Um, and then three pairs, of what we'd put together as the best defenseman. And then we picked a goalie. Um, so I thought it was a ton of fun. Uh, very interesting stuff. We had a, we had a lot of good laughs. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, Fun talk about uh, what actually is going to end up being next week's show, um, which I'm actually even more excited for ironically enough. So um, you guys I think will enjoy this episode a lot. Uh, this will make you think, which is what I'm here to do, make you think. Um, first, with currently no NBA NHL or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on, but you'd be wrong. our exclusive partner a uh, bet online has, still has hundreds of events. Games and props to wager on from their online casino to poker and blackjack as they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can wager on. Again, I say this every week, such a realistic video game, and I wish NHL 20 would be as realistic. It, unfortunately, it is not. And if you plan NHL 20, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, if you're into entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, uh, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. can bet on that as well. Um, All open 24 hours a day and all online. Visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. So uh, before we get into the podcast, um, there is a nice message from Cedric Maxwell regarding why you should be uh, thinking about Awaken 180 right now. Um, And then after that, we'll get right into um, this very fun, lighthearted, interesting podcast uh, with Marissa and Jemmy, and here's my conversation with her.
0: As I told you on Twitter, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health. I found a solution for weight loss, and it's Awaken 180. My friends in the media told me about Awaken 180. It's their go-to program to lose weight without killing yourself in the gym or taking any kind of medication. Just listen to the success stories. My boy, Kyle Draper, he dropped 30 pounds. Andy Grish dropped 105, and that's not it. Scott Zolak, Steve Logan, Dan Reeves, Dr. Laura R. Carmen, and add Cedric Maxwell to the list. It's only been about three weeks, and I've already dropped about 15 pounds. Turn these trying times into a reason to get healthy like me. Call Awaken. Receive the same one-on-one coaching I'm getting at home or on Skype. Also, access 1,000 recipes and tools you'll need. Dantric Weight Loss from the company who has revolutionized the weight loss industry. Set up your first consultation today at awaken180weightloss.com.
1: And we're here with Marissa and Jamie. Marissa, how are you?
2: I am well, Evan. How are you?
1: Good. Obviously, everyone, uh, all the listeners probably know because it trended on Twitter, unfortunately. Um, and it baffled me. I think it baffled everybody that you were. that they, The Herald cut your position because of quarantine. Um, how have you been since? What have you been doing since? You know, how have you been getting along since?
2: I'm a free agent, so testing the market. <laughs> when there are no teams that can sign anyone. Um, so just kind of like freelancing where I can. I did this before for a while. So I I, I know what to do. Just a lot of places aren't taking freelance stories. So it's tough. Um, for now, I'm doing a lot of stuff at the Metro West Daily News. Um, a lot of stuff well, well. this week. Uh, they're great. I used to freelance there like well before I was at the Herald. So they're great people. And I'm doing stuff for the SB Nation women's hockey website, the Ice Garden where I should have a lot of NWHL stuff like specifically this week um, and in the future. And then after that, like no idea, Try, talking to a couple of places, trying to figure stuff out. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. You're someone who like, got, you know, God forbid you did get laid off. You you were telling me before you got laid off, you had a, a list of like 70 story ideas that were just sports in general yep. um, and features. And so that's why when you got laid off, obviously I was terribly sad for you. I thought it was the stupidest thing in the world, but then I was like, you know what? She'll find a way she, she, you know, her story ideas and, and she's brilliant at this stuff. And again, like you did it before you got this job at the Herald. So um, you're experienced in it. And you'll also like, you'll get picked up very soon. Once this roster freeze ends, once money starts actually getting pumped back into the economy, I think you'll be quite fine. Um, yeah, it's
0: not
2: a great position to be in. It's not super fun, but there are people who get laid off or furloughed and are in much worse spots. So just kind of grateful to keep writing somewhere for now.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. What sucks, though, is you may not return to the Bruins coverage, which... I, I people... highly
2: doubt I'm back there unless something dramatic happens just because most of the Bruins' jobs are there now. Um, I doubt the Herald brings in someone to replace me. I'd be really surprised. Um, so more than likely, goodbye to the Bruins, probably.
1: Yeah, which which sucks, by the way. I, like, that is that really gets me because there aren't a ton of young people... So when we cover games and stuff, like we have, you know, obviously we we talk to the older writers and we love the older writers, but the, y- us the young old- people, we're sticking together, you know, us young people, and to not have one of the members of the young crew is going to be very tough in the future. But um it was fun. Hey, we had fun. Like, look at la- the this time last year in the playoffs, we had a blast. That never that, forget like, looking- after
2: game seven.
1: Exactly. Like looking back at that looking back at that whole playoff run, the cup run, like that was so, we had so much fun and I didn't even oh, that travel. Role, that was,
2: the I best. didn't,
1: I didn't travel. Like you had a million other experiences with, with everybody in St. Louis and Carolina and, um, Oof, yeah. and Toronto and all those places. But, uh, we had, we just had a
2: blast
1: the Stanley cup, especially this episode. Uh, someone on Twitter brought this up to me. I was thinking about doing this for a little while, but I was just kind of like worried, Hey, the, the decade stuff has passed. I did a ton of it with, um, when it, when, you know, 2020 rang in. Who knew how bad 2020 would be? Um, this
2: year is the worst.
1: Oh, totally. So Dave on Twitter, Dave Brammel underscore Y, uh, tweeted at me at E. Marinovsky podcast idea, create an actual Bruins all decade fantasy team, full 20 man roster. So I didn't do the full 20 man roster. I did. J- we, and I told you to do this as well. Four lines, three pairs of D and a goalie. Uh, Cause I think that makes it a little more specific um, and maybe a little quicker, I guess. Um, but great idea. Awesome. I'm glad he said that. Cause I was like, now I'm actually going to do this. Um, so I told you to make four lines, three pairs of D and pick a goalie. again some ground rules for this. Uh, We're picking the the best possible Bruins lineup you could put together um, from the past decade. They could have played one good season. You can put them on there. Um, I mean, I guess you could put anybody on there. For me personally, I didn't put any, like, superstars on the fourth line. I kept it to fourth liners. You Mm -hmm. might not have. That's totally fine.
2: I I, I mostly did.
1: Yeah, so we'll kind of keep this – this will be fun because I, I tried to go a little different on my bottom two lines because I feel like our first two lines are probably going to be somewhat similar. Um, but why don't we just jump right into it? So we'll kind of go back and forth. Um, my first forward line was Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak. I think that is something that a lot of people that would probably was say.
2: additionally mine.
1: Yes. I would figure that would be pretty much everybody's. Um, obviously, they've not won a cup together. They've been to one. I mean, as a whole line, obviously Bergeron and Marshawn have, um, but that line's dominant. Points-wise, you know, Marshawn and Bergeron have had so much playoff success. That is absolutely line one. Uh, I take it that was probably your reasoning as well for them being line one.
2: Yeah, they're all really good.
1: <laughs> that is <it. laughs> They're all elite. Um, yeah. My second – so, actually, you go first with your second line.
2: Um, I really wanted to be more creative with this, but – I worked on this for, like, an hour, which is way too long. And most of it was (laughs) on the second line because I wanted to be creative and I couldn't. So, like, in the end, the answer to me was Lucic Krejci Horton.
1: That was mine, too. But I didn't try to get creative with this. I tried my best to get creative with with the defense and the lines three and four because I think that's where we're going to have the most discussion. Um, Yes, Lucic Krejci, Krejci Horton. That line was so good. I mean, t- in today's NHL, it probably wouldn't be as good. They're, I mean, obviously, they're all past the prime. But, um, God, 2010-2011 to 2012-2013, mm-hmm. that line was dominant. And people forget how Krejci was the number one center. Mm-hmm. And you had you know Lucic being clutch, Horton scoring those clutch goals against Montreal in 2011. It always surprised me that Horton left when he did. He just kind of got up and left. Do you ever think about that
2: line, too? Like, I almost feel like it's being unfair because, like, Lucic and Horton had those couple of good years, like, when they won a Cup the year after and then when Horton left. But Krejci has been one of the most dominant pieces of the Bruins for the entire decade. And, like, I wish that could be, like, empathized a little bit more because – I don't think people realize how valuable he has been to that team for so long. And you look at even, like, the postseason numbers, it's ridiculous.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, Connor Ryan tweeted something the other day. I think in 71 playoff games, Krejci has 65 points, uh, if I'm getting those numbers correctly. I mean, just absurd. And the other thing is, I've always found interesting how underrated Krejci is in in the grand scheme of things. Like, I remember last year. In that New England sports survey, he was ranked as like the athlete that missed expectations the most or was in the top five. Like it was bananas. He had the most points he'd ever had last year or tied for the most points he'd ever scored in a season. Um, and I remember, you know, fans don't appreciate him. And then this, this isn't, this is not really indicative, but in 2011, he was like the eighth, ninth or 10th person to get the cup when they want it. Now I know obviously it goes through the veterans. I understand that Krejci was sort of a younger guy at that point, but if Thomas was not as dominant as he was in 2011, Krejci gets the con Smythe, and he could have got it again in 2013. Mm-hmm. So I-, I think that he gets so undervalued, so undervalued. Um, but I also think people kind of like part of it, I think comes from the fact that he was so dominant early on with Lucic and Horton. It was such a great marriage That nothing's ever really come close to that sense, and I think people come to expect that level of production when he has not had the pieces around him to do it. I don't know if you agree with that or not.
2: I don't know. I think people like have unfairly complained about Krejci for a while. I remember last year, over the summer, when I was on this podcast talking about should the Bruins trade Krejci. Like, why do people talk about this?
1: I know. I don't. I don't get it. I've never understood it, and it, it hits my point of like when he's gone people are really going to be like, damn, Bruins had it really good. They had it for, for a decade plus. They had a legit one-two tandem down the middle at center. Uh, I have a
2: random like baseball comp for him. What is it? He's like Kevin Euclidus in the lineup where everyone kind of would be like, oh, we want more from him, and then they traded him, and everyone's like, oh, I miss Euclidus now.
1: That's a great comparison. That's a great comparison. It's it's the same thing. Cuz Yoculus's numbers were incredibly good when For he was. People always plus.
2: were like, "Oh, he's not your traditional cleanup hitter. or You want more power numbers and he'd be out there hitting like 320 or something."
1: Yeah, 30 home runs, you know. Now he's uh, yeah. I mean, that that is a perfect comp to it. Um and Yoculus won what? One World Series with the Red Sox. Was he wasn't on uh, the O4 team, he might I don't have think. been
2: part of the O4 team like as a call up.
1: Yeah if that if he if if that but yeah 07 was his big year yeah. at least for world series and then he was great um in 08 he was great in 2011 i think i mean they traded he, him
2: the bobby valentine year
1: yeah that whatever was, year it,
2: that was that i've erased from my mind
1: yeah and that uh, that year sucked and the thing was with eucalyptus was his last at bat was like a was it a double or a triple against i think it was i forget who they were playing but he, he there a, was
2: something dramatic
1: yeah, it was something very dramatic, but it was a good send-off. Uh, sad that he had to get traded. All right, so now into the fun part. So we got the first two lines out of the way. So my third line, I struggled with this. This was the one I struggled with because I said, how can I make this different and make it good? Because um, I think there's a lot of candidates you could put on this third line, and there's going to be some omissions, hook or crook. Down the middle, I have Tyler Sagan. Uh, On the right side, I have Jerome McGinley. And on the left side, I have Riley Smith.
2: Oh, we did go in a different direction here.
1: So what I like, so good. This is awesome. Sagan, people forget how good he was here in 2011, 2012. 2012, 2012-13 wasn't as consistent, wasn't as great. But that 11-12 season, I mean, he really, really looked good. Um. Aguila had the 30 goals the one year he was here. And people forget how good Riley Smith was in that President's Trophy-winning 13-14 season. Um, fit great next to Marshawn and Bergeron. Now he's killing it with the Knights. You know, he had that off year in 14-15. Gets traded for Jimmy Hayes, which was the stupidest thing ever.
2: That might um, be, like, the worst trade of the modern era. Like, we talked about the Tyler Sagan trade, and this is part of the Tyler Sagan trade because it's part of that trade tree. But Riley Smith for Jimmy Hayes might be the worst trade.
1: Yeah, it's funny when I, you know, when the Bruins dealt uh, Heinen for uh, Nick Ritchie, I kind of thought back to that of like, okay, you have this, you know, young, fast, skilled winger traded for a bigger, you know, winger, you know, more of a power forward. I thought back to Jimmy Hayes for for Riley Smith.
2: It's a and decent so, comp, but I also think that, well, that Smith is better than Heinen.
1: To- totally, totally, and I also think Richie's better than Hayes. Um, but I wanted to look at the advanced stats because the advanced stats actually f- favor Nick Richie in most offensive scenarios over Danton And So I was like, I wonder if back then, if in in that two year span of thirteen fourteen to fourteen fifteen, I wonder if Hayes was better than Riley Smith in certain offensive scenarios and. Never once. He never even came close to having a similar Corsi <laughs> 4. He never came close to having a similar shot percentage. None of that. It was not even close. Amazing. There was legitimately no basis for that trade. Like, none. So yeah, you're totally right. That trade stunk.
2: at all time. Terrible.
1: Terrible. And it gets overlooked. All right. What's your third line?
2: Okay. On the left side, Louis Erickson. Because I I was looking up the numbers and I forget what they exactly were because I have a memory of a goldfish. But his numbers were, like, really good for, like, more than one year. He was, like, third or fourth in scoring on the team, like, four years in a row or something. Like, that's good. And I feel like Erickson kind of, like, has a bad rap. And I don't really know why. Because, like, I distinctly remember thinking, oh, he's good. Um, Then on the right side, Tyler Sagan. There we go. Because agreed. And down the middle – because it turns out he was with the Bruins for seven years, Chris Kelly.
1: Yeah, everyone forgets he was here forever.
2: In my head, Chris Kelly was on the Bruins for like two years, and then it turned out it was seven. Yeah, because everyone and thinks I against him because I actually really liked him as a player. I just like, time is weird, and I forgot he was there for that long. And I feel like last year when he um signed on as director of player personnel, I was writing about it and looking it up, and I had the same reaction of seven years.
1: Yeah, no, he was here forever. And on top of that, I felt like he was very impactful with the 2011 team, um, was good the few years after. But then he had a lot of injuries, didn't he? And the teams that, you know, the 14, 15, 15, 16 teams didn't make the, the playoffs. So Yeah, he
2: messed up his wrist and I feel like never recovered her hand or something like that.
1: Yeah, and he also had a – didn't they sign him to a – pretty long or a fairly long expensive. Yeah. That was one of those,
2: like one of the first like Peter Chiarelli deals where you're just like signing a dude and everyone's like, well, you did not have to do that.
1: Yeah. That was kind of like a thank you for 2011 type thing. He was just handing out those deals. Um That's a good one. Erickson was a tough omission for me because he did, I think he led the Bruins in points that 2015, 16 season. Yeah. Um, and you know, you mentioned getting the bad rep. I think a lot of that is because he was in the Sagan deal, and he was the that
2: main, has to be it.
1: main piece. The Bruins got back, and he just wasn't Tyler Sagan. He was already underrated as hell. This was not going to help his case. Um, and I think the Bruins looked at him as like he's good enough to add scoring to the team, to add you know maybe two thirds of what Sagan would give, so they can kind of push for the cup. And it never happened. Like, the one time they could have done it was 13-14. It just didn't happen. Um And also, I, I think it just – he was on those teams that weren't that great. Like, I think that – you know, and by the way, the, those teams weren't technically bad. They just didn't make the playoffs. Like, they both teams, 14-15, 15-16, they were boring as hell. But they just they, missed they the playoffs. They weren't very fun. They were not fun. And they weren't – especially they were not as fun as the teams around them. Um all right, so go first with your fourth line. What would be your fourth line?
2: Okay, this is where it goes off the rails. I love this, um, good. Left wing, Daniel Paillet, who I have long time been a stand for. People Same. don't know this because I was a child on the internet when Daniel Paye was playing, but I had a lot of Daniel Paillet tweets when I was a kid. Loved really? him. Yeah, he just like couldn't score, but he could do everything else, and I just appreciated his energy. Um, center, Greg Campbell. Felt necessary. Then on the right wing, Jake DeBrusque.
1: Ooh, that's interesting.
2: I feel like he deserves a spot because I think if you're writing the story of the Bruins this decade, I feel like DeBrusque has a spot.
1: For the performance against Toronto in 2018, Game 7? That
2: and just he's a part of going to Game 7. He's a part of their narrative, he's a part of their story, and he had some big, or he had a big year. Um, his goal numbers are good. I felt like he was turning the corner this year, and that counts kind of. Um, and then, like, much love to Sean Thornton. I just didn't feel like he was gonna be in that spot.
1: Yeah, I, I. So Thornton's not on mine either. He was an omission. So for me, that was a tough one. That I was like, damn, he could have definitely been on it. He was definitely a huge part. Um, so I had Pi on the left side as well. Incredible penalty penalty killer. I mean. Just such a good penalty killer. So fast.
2: He might be very, the best skater I've ever seen playing the NHL.
1: Very, yes, very skilled. Like, he was not your typical fourth liner. That was the funny thing. Like, I don't, I don't remember his early tenure. I don't remember if, like, I, he was a high draft pick, I think.
2: He was a um, high draft pick, I think, to Montreal. And just like, he couldn't score because he couldn't hold on to the puck, which I mean, whom among us?
1: Yes, I, exactly. And, but, but he really fit that line well. Cause he was that part of, he was that part of the Merlot low line that was fast. Uh, that was skilled. Didn't ever fight. I don't remember a Daniel pie fight. Maybe I'm missing something. Um, but just all around good. I mean, just a good solid winger. Um, so down the middle, I debated on the card that I wrote this on right now. I have a bunch of crossouts and they're all on the fourth line. Cause I was like, who do I put there? So I, I settled on Campbell. Um I put Gregory Campbell. He's a part of the narrative. He's a big part part of 2011. He had that huge block in 2013. Um so I, I said he he's got to be it. Uh on the right side I have two crossouts. So I I settled on Sean Koralli. I settled on Sean Koralli.
2: I respect that.
1: Because I think he is he I went with just fourth liners on the fourth line. I get DeBrusque. brusque. I totally think he's a part of the narrative, but he just to me isn't a fourth liner. So I, I didn't put him in. Yeah, that's um, fair.
2: That's me just taking complete creative Liberty,
1: but that's good. I mean, that's, that's what makes this fun. Uh, by the way, I have an idea for after first future podcast that we can do together, but let me finish this. Um, the two crossouts were Chris Wagner because I think,
2: because he's from Walpole. The,
1: because he's from Walpole. But a very solid fourth liner. Scored a you know, a good amount of goals last year. Had that big block against Carolina, um, against uh, you know, last year. Uh, and I just thought he was a good solid fourth liner. and if I wanted to go win a Stanley Cup, there's a good chance to be on my fourth line. Um, and then I initially put Nola Chari for some reason, but then I was like, Wait, I'm only doing it off seasons with the Bruins, not seasons where he scores twenty goals with the Panthers out of nowhere. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not I can't put him there. Like he just didn't feel right. Um, so my final fourth line would be Pi Campbell, Corrali. Um, again, my omissions for forwards, DeBrusque I think, is one. Louis Erickson, for me, would be one. Um, but to me, Corrali does have, that, have a spot um, on that fourth line. I think the goal against Toronto last year was big. Um, I just think his overall presence has been very good. Um, I don't know what you think about Corrali, but I think that...
2: No, I, I respect we, that. I, I understand that one.
1: Yeah, I think we both had very good top, you know, four lines. So now let's get into uh, into the defense, where I think there will be some disagreement. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, my first pairing, got to go Chara Seidenberg.
2: That's um, the only answer.
1: Yeah, I think I take it you did the same. Yes. Shut down. You're watching him now on Nessun, maybe. Um, just a. By the way, how about that virtual – clubhouse thing they're doing where they're That's letting super the Cool, I love that, that idea that is cool but like Tim Thomas you think Tim Thomas is gonna be there you think Tyler Sagan's gonna be at this like well, how was, many Thomas players it's are funny
2: be there? because when the whole like he got inducted to the USA Hockey Hall of Fame and it, it, I got like an email there's gonna be a conference call and I was joking with some hockey writers like ha, imagine if Tim Thomas is on this call and then he was so I, I have no prediction.
1: Yeah, I, I would be – but honestly, it would be awesome if Tim Thomas was on it. Um,
2: that would rule.
1: Sixth, sixth grade Evan Marinofsky will be going wild watching Tim Thomas talk about his big shutout in Game 7. And then if Sagan was on it, that would be pretty cool too. But I feel like he – I feel like there's a greater chance of Thomas being on it than Sagan.
2: Yeah, I feel like you have to get invited, right? Yeah. If there it is. you know
1: what I mean. <laughs> there, there it is right there. Um. All right, so what was your second D pairing?
2: Okay, I went with Tori Krug and Johnny Boychuk.
1: That's a good – I like that. I like that second pairing.
2: I think Boychuk, again, he's one of those guys, if you're going to tell the story of the decade, he's included in the narrative. And Krug, his consistency, I don't think – I mean, I think in Boston maybe Krug is appreciated. I sure hope so, but I'm not sure he is appreciated as much as he should be in general for just what he does for that team.
1: Krug is for sure in it. Um, so Krug was my second pairing uh left shot defenseman. Uh when it came to the right side on the second line or second pairing, excuse me, um, I think I'm gonna get some heat for this. I had Tori Krug and Dougie Hamilton. I think Hamilton
2: so close to putting Hamilton on mine, but I was a coward.
1: Hamilton was good. Hey, I mean, and now he's turning into a Norris candidate in Carolina. He's kind of found his spot. He's an odd duck, you know, he's a weird guy, but he was good. I mean, he was a skilled, skilled right shot defenseman. He was on the power play. Um, you know, he kind of came of age in that, that lockout shortened season in 2012, 13, you know, very good, their president's trophy year. And then 14, 15, he had 42 points. Um, so to me, I mean, he he's always been a high point getter. For me, he's on it. And also, he, if you're going to go narrative perspective, totally. I mean, this was their wonder boy on defense that they traded away at the 2015 NHL draft. Like, he's a part of it. Um, and I think history is a lot different had he stayed. I mean, imagine, you know, I don't know how they would work this with the cap. If he, if he just fit into the locker room and maybe took some less money, who knows? But, you know, if him and Kruger are on the back end right now, you know, maybe that in that defense
2: where you have McAvoy, Carlo, Krug, Hamilton.
1: Yeah. And you have that, Mac I, Riff,
2: like in the picture still like, Jesus, that's amazing.
1: It's an, inc- it's an incredible crew. Um, And I think that really does shape a lot of it. Like that changes that, that really, I mean, do they miss the playoffs in 2015, 16, you know, do they miss the playoffs in? well, no, it's only 2015, 16, you know, do they go farther in 2016, 17? Remember they had none of, they had none of their defensemen mm-hmm. in the playoffs. So who knows? Um, he, to me, is definitely a part of it. So my third pairing, I went with Johnny Boychuk, because I felt like same as you, part of the narrative, important part of the 2011 team and the 13 team. M- such a good hitter and such a hard slap shot. If you could think of someone, aside from Milan Lucic, if you can think of someone your average Bruins fan would salivate over, it is Johnny Boychuk.
2: Don't I, forget the Adam McQuaid stands out there.
1: Adam McQuaid as well. He he too. Actually, him as well. But Boychuk, I feel like a little bit more. Uh, well, McQuaid was a better fighter, but Boychuk could crunch people. When um, I was
2: a kid, Boychuk was my favorite Bruin for a period. Really? Yeah.
1: I just I loved from Mark
2: Savara to Johnny Boychuk being my guy.
1: Mine was Chara for a while. Um, and then... I, I, I loved Krug coming up because I was a defenseman too. So I was like, oh, you know, you know, a, a, a kind of a smaller defense, you know, left shot defenseman, Tori Krug. Um, I don't, Boychuck, I loved, but I wasn't as big a stand, I don't think, it's you. But I loved his He was his my slap dude. Shot. I had
2: a Boychuck jersey as a kid.
1: Did you really have a Boychuck jersey?
2: Yeah. As, that as a kid, is cool. I had some of the most outrageous jerseys. I, I still currently own a Sean Thornton jersey. Really? That he signed for me at a Portland Sea Dogs game. <laughs> it's like what one of my favorite items i own i have a jordan caran jersey simply because it was 50 dollars.
1: no you don't have a jordan that is so cool
2: it was 50 dollars at the bruins pro shop and i was like oh i'm gonna get this i was also like 14 or 15 at the time
1: oh my god that is so cool to me i don't have, have many jordan. jerseys
2: well ever since i started writing i stopped buying jerseys so everything i have is like very old school and weird
1: the Jordan Caron, by the way, the Jordan Koran jersey would be an incredible tweet. Like, that is such something Bruins Twitter would eat up.
2: <laughs> I would have, like, find I is... have it here at my parents' house. I don't even remember.
1: That is so funny. I don't have any. I would get jerseys. I never got jerseys, really. I would only get, like, jerseys. And I think they were just, like, typical. I, I don't, I didn't have any weird ones. I had more oh, red Oh, God, Sox.
2: I had dumbest jerseys.
1: What did you have for jerseys? Let me hear it.
2: Uh, for the Bruins, I had Daniel Paillet. Love it. Um, Dougie Hamilton.
1: I had a um, how to Dougie t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I, had
2: I had Adam McQuaid.
1: That's a good one.
2: Uh, Mark Reckie. Good one. I didn't get any Sagan stuff just to be defiant. And everyone was and, and like, oh, you're out. a girl. You love Tyler Sagan, right? And I would be annoyed. So I'd be like, I do, but, like, I'm not going to tell you that.
1: That's really uh, funny.
2: <laughs> I, like, I didn't have any Bergeron stuff for no reason other than, like, Everyone else did, so I did not. It was always the same way. So, for me,
1: I always got more Red Sox jerseys. Oh, my um, Red Sox and, ones were dumb. And I never wanted to get Ortiz or, you know, uh, anybody mainstream. I wanted odd ones. I wanted, like, different guys. Like, I had a... I bet I, had I a J- be
2: too.
1: I had a Jason... Ba- you probably can. I had a Jason Bay one. Um. Oh, what were some other good ones? I mean, I know I had, like, Beckett. Um... Who did you have? Because I
2: Oh, God, the best one I have ago. is Nick Green.
1: Nick Green?
2: Yeah, remember I, him?
1: I don't remember him.
2: Shortstop came in for uh, Julio Lugo, Jed Lowry. He looks identical to Wes Welker. He was a switch-hitting shortstop. Hit He hit the foul pole on his opposite field home run on his day game against the Braves, and I was like, I'm going to get a jersey just for this.
1: Wow, that's a good one. Who else? Who, what's another weird one you have? Uh, John have. Smoltz. Really? Yeah. That, that is very obscure. Yeah. Huh. I had
2: a Jed Lowry shirt. I wore so much the numbers wore out. Really? <laughs> he was number 12 and that was my number in softball. Oh, my best one, my Daniel Bard shirt. I wore it at every game I went to.
1: You had a Daniel Bard shirt? Daniel
2: Bard was, was my favorite player for a while.
1: He was so good.
2: I so love the Daniel good. Bard He threw me a ball one time in Baltimore and like this man pushed me and like took it. And I was like 13 and I was so angry. And then like a couple of years later in Tampa Bay, he threw me a ball and it's like one of my prized possessions. Like I finally got that, Daniel.
1: What's so funny is like something like that where someone pushes you aside, that should be on camera somewhere. Um,
2: I was ready to fight him, but I was like a five foot four, 13 year old girl.
1: I'm I'm really trying to dig deep into the into my vault of my head of like what jerseys I had that were like extremely obscure because I know I had a I had like almost the entire Red Sox lineup back in like the late two thousands. Um.
2: Any JD then, Drew attire?
1: I didn't have JD Drew. Ah, uh,
2: don't be a coward. Didn't have JD Drew? Was Drew. Also my favorite.
1: Drew was great. That oh he that was home so run good
2: and everyone hated him and I didn't know why.
1: Yeah, he was just hateable. He didn't run hard enough and in Boston. That obviously is held against you. So we totally got off the <laughs> rail of third-line right-shot defenseman. Um, oh, uh, oh, well. Oh, uh, well. To finish this off, though, I had Boy Chuck and Char- I had Charlie McAvoy on the right side. What did you have for your third pairing?
2: Andrew Ferrance and Brandon Carlo.
1: Ooh, so you went with Carlo over McAvoy. Yes. Why?
2: I don't know. I just feel like... Carlo matured quicker as a player, if that makes sense. Um, I feel like if you were going to take early Charlie McAvoy or early Brandon Carlo, early Brandon Carlo did more. And that's not taking anything away from Charlie McAvoy because I think he's legitimately, like, a star in the making, top five defensemen in the NHL of the future. I just feel like this decade specifically, Carlo's narrative fit more.
1: Yeah, I mean, Carlo is, I think it didn't it hasn't taken carlo as long to to kind of establish himself solely because right, he's we're a going, shut down And we're going for
2: me that longevity almost kind of gave him the edge
1: yeah i went with McAvoy solely cuz i i like you know his two way game to fit in uh, but i mean i'm a huge brandon carlo fan um so i i totally see that as well so yeah that's those are our lineups um my omissions on d were just andrew ference brandon carlo uh, there was nobody else I could think of that would really warrant being in there. Maybe twenty eleven Stephen Camper. <laughs> oh my <laughs> you know, god! Which everyone forgets about. Like this, I, I, Maybe I'm forgetting, but he was he was like a, a solid young defenseman back then. Like he would, he played with Chara.
2: I liked Camper at the time.
1: So, so I when he traded I mean, oh, in
2: Minnesota, I remember being annoyed.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just remember being surprised. I was like, isn't this guy supposed to be like something big on defense? The other omission would be Adam McQuaid. I mean, he was there for a long time. Yep. Um, big in the room. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's any other defenseman that would warrant being on that uh, or om- be an omission. My goalie Thomas was. Rask. Oh, yeah, Thomas Oh, Thomas Uh My goalie was Tuka Rask.
2: Yeah, I don't know me what too. you went
1: with. Yeah, we both went with Rask. Um, I know Thomas was, won
2: the cup, but, like, Rask brought them to two longevity. Exactly.
1: Rask, and so consistent. Um, and everybody forgets about that. So the the idea I had for a lineup, and I might do this with you, or I might do this with someone else. I want to hear what your reaction is.
2: Pick me over Connor and Ty.
1: Yeah, maybe. Well, Ty, Ty never comes on anymore, which whatever. Oh, boom. Um, Boo boo boo. Um but so I think a cool idea would be, and you listeners tweet at me like, let me know if you like this, because I think this is a funny idea. A lineup of the most obscure bruins, like obscure slash forgettable Bruins of the last decade. So oh, a, four, I have a lot four to
2: contribute to this four
1: lines and three D. Or, and three pairs of D. And
2: There are going to need to be some rules. Like, can it be a guy who played just one game? Can it be a guy just from preseason?
1: Oh, I like, man. there's
2: going to have to be some sort of rule.
1: It should be you had to play a full season. Or had to play at least...
2: Like, at 30 least games 20, or something. At least
1: 30 games in one season. It can't be, like... Oh, uh, some obscure, like, guy who played four games in the preseason. It has to be, like uh 30 games or more at least 30 games in one season but like you could put the whole 2015-16 Bruins oh my god as yes. an entire team i mean there's so many names that are popping into my head right now of guys that would fit the bill so well for that Greg lineup Zanin.
2: Greg Zanon
1: Greg Zanon John Michael Lyles Lee Stepniak Brian Gianta like
2: Lee Stepniak is not obscure he was there the entire year last year last year Every practice.
1: Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Every,
2: it was my favorite bit all year tweeting. Lee Stephanie at practice.
1: <laughs> that is hysterical. I forgot about that. So yeah, I mean, I think we could have a bunch of fun with that. Um, I might just have you on next week to do it again. Like, I think that would be hysterical. I don't
2: have anything else to do.
1: Yeah. All right. So you'll be on again next week and we'll do most <laughs> obscure. Cause I think that's so funny. Like I just find that hysterical and, and I know that's your kind of similar humor as well. um, So usually I end the podcast with saying to my guest, do you have anything to plug? But you already kind of talked about that, how you're freelancing. So people can see your stuff in the Metro West Daily News and on SB Nation, correct? Yeah, for now. And so, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what you got. Um, I don't have anything to plug except this podcast, which you're listening to. Um, Stories are going to continue to come out. You know, there's more Bruins availabilities, which is good. Um, Marissa, you're not missing a ton, I'll say that. Uh,
2: only my know, extreme fomo
1: I know you have fomo from it but,
2: I've undownloaded Twitter like three times.
1: I know you told me that I so feel I bad like
2: Charlie Coyle, and I'm like no
1: <laughs> Bruce Cassie's going today. oh damn it, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean you're staying busy and that's all that matters, and you're you know you've earned the right to kind of take a little time off, but now you're back into it, so you know that's uh that's all well and good, but yeah go that's. On. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's it for this week's podcast. I had a bunch of fun with this lineup. I'm actually probably going to get started on the next lineup, like the minute I hit end on this <laughs> call, because um, I think it's funny. But, uh, yeah, for Sealless Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. I hope you Bruins listeners are staying healthy, staying safe, and make sure to have a great rest of your week. <laughs>